0: Welcome to Maverick Inclusion Dial, where we will discuss all things related to diversity and inclusion on the Minnesota State University Mankato campus, community, and beyond.
1: Hello and welcome to the Maverick Inclusion Dial podcast, coming to you from American Indian Affairs this week. Uh, We are excited to be here. It is 35 degrees and sunny outside and it is a good day to be indigenous. Uh, And so I just like to take a moment to introduce uh, us as speakers and welcome you into our conversation for the day about American Indian Affairs and our Native American Heritage Month. Um, celebration. So I'm going to hand this over to my co-host
0: here, Dr. Chelsea Mead. Hi, Megan. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here today. Um, It's a good day to talk about AIS stuff and uh, to reflect on Native American Heritage Month. And so I'm just glad to be here. Um, So do we want to introduce ourselves a little bit then? Yeah, let's
1: uh, just talk about, you know, kind of how we got to where we're at in our world of working with our indigenous students.
0: Sounds good. Uh, do you want to go first? Yeah,
1: sure. I, I'll definitely go. So uh, again, my name is Megan Hotmaker. I'm the director for American Indian Affairs and I have been serving in this role for almost eight years now, which is pretty exciting. Um, and uh, I got here because um, I just have a passion to help uh, other Native students be successful in their college pursuits um, just as people helped me on my college journey so it was really a a way for me to want to give back to the community and help students um, find their find their paths in college and so uh, I started actually at MSU Mankato back in 2007 after I graduated from high school um, and ended up just getting super involved falling into a double major with anthropology and American indigenous studies. And, um, just like very good, getting, getting very invested in the work, uh, love it, loved working on a college campus and just kind of knew that's what I wanted to do. Uh, it took me a few years to figure it out, but, um, just kind of fell into that role. So, um, and, and loving that as I discovered, you know, the work that we were doing and, um, so got very invested, very involved um, and ended up uh, going to grad school as well for counseling and student personnel, college student affairs to um, work at an institution of higher education and then um, ended up graduating and, and getting a position basically with my dream role. So I don't really know where to go anymore from here, uh, but yeah, that's, uh, that's kind of how I winded my way um into working in the indigenous world in higher education.
0: So. When well, you get to do such cool stuff over in the multicultural center like um I love coming over and visiting y'all and meeting up with students and like I love how students can just use the multicultural center as a safe place to be, be who they are, connect with other people from their background, their culture. It's a great office on campus, and I'm so grateful that you're part of the campus community. Um, I met you when I first started here. Yeah, Uh, that's right. That was a while ago. (laughs) We've been here about the same amount of time. So yeah, (laughs) uh, I'm an associate professor now, which is nice in uh, the anthropology department and the American Indigenous Studies program. And so um, for anthropology, I teach like language and culture courses and I also teach like anthropology of sex and, um, but I focus a lot on language. But then for the American Indigenous Studies program, I teach like history courses and courses on oral tradition. And I'm not native myself. I'm, I'm a white woman, um, a settler colonist. And, um, but I do, the work that I do because when I was to co- when I was in college, I took um, Indigenous studies courses and I started learning Ojibwe language. And um, the community at my university that I went to was so like welcoming, but also educational. Like they would let me know if I misstepped somehow, and I just uh, started building these friendships and networks and connections and. Uh, learning what I could and so uh, you know uh, I started focused and dedicated my life towards that and sharing that with other um, Native people who wanted to know what I had to share but I often listen more than I than I share in that regard but um, but a lot of non-Native students too who you know they want to figure out how do I be a better person how do I be a better relative how do I do this better and so um, yeah i teach in the ais program here and you and i work really closely together and um so i'm just excited to be here today to talk to you uh, on this on this podcast
1: thank you yeah I'm, i'm really glad that you could join me in discussing um, Native American Heritage Month, which is now uh, starting here in November. Uh, we celebrate all month long. We have a ton of different things. Um, we're, we're doing some really great social media engagement this year, doing some daily posts, ways things to, um, to learn about indigenous culture if you're um, not sure where to start. And also just some celebration of famous uh, indigenous people, native people. Uh, some resources for everyone just like kind of featuring cool things all month long on our Facebook page so if you're bored and you're looking for something to uh, learn about this month uh, you can head over to our Facebook page our American uh, Indian Affairs page at MSU Mankato on Facebook so yeah we're doing that we also have a really cool event coming up um, with Chef Sean Sherman November 9th so super excited about that um, usually for November, pre-COVID times, right, we would be um, having a lot of really fun in-person events as well, and so we've been working really hard to just transition a lot of that as much as we can into the virtual world. We've done uh, film showings still, we've done, um, we're still doing our, our pretty big keynote speaker here for American Indian Night, even though it's during the day, it's a little weird, uh, but yeah. Uh, Yeah, we're just super excited to still be able to celebrate um, Native Heritage Month and um, to showcase our pride and our support and our education um, about our culture and history to the campus community just in a virtual way, so.
0: I love Native American Heritage Month in part because it's such a good opportunity for non-Native peoples to uh, get a little bit of education, to learn um to get a little increased awareness and um i mean you and i we joke along with like some of our community members about how like every month is native american heritage month if you're native yeah like um or if you're just passionate about it like we don't need a special month but it is nice to to have somewhat of a dedicated month and uh you know native american heritage month got started way back in 1986 but it wasn't actually way way back oh my gosh we were babies um (laughs) it's actually not that far long ago really if we think about it (laughs) um but it actually originally got started as just one week Mm -hmm. so um it it legally like as far as legislation it gets started with pl 99 471 which is a, a piece of legislation that congress passes in 1986 that declares it uh, November 23rd through the 30th as American Indian Week, um, and then like we go through a couple different presidencies where they jump it around between November to September. It was actually in December one time. Um, it just kept moving around because people were like trying to figure out where it fit or what they thought it fit. And then um, in 1990, that's where we actually start getting the entire month. Um, as Native American or National American Indian Heritage Month. And um, pretty much most presidents, Clinton, Bush, Obama, etc. have issued annual proclamations that designate November as National American Indian Heritage Month. Um, And so it's, it's great that we have it, it's great that people are aware of it, and that we get to plan and host these events. I'm so excited for Sean Sherman. Um, He's a, as you know, I'm sure, Megan, like he's got this great cookbook and he's all about revitalizing uh, cooking with heritage foods. (gasps) There's the cookbook. Oh, it's so good. On me
1: and I was actually probably, uh, I was looking at maybe trying to cook um, alive out of my apartment on Facebook <laughs> I don't know if I'm brave enough To do it but um, I, do was, it. I know I know I, I, Who doesn't love uh, looking at some
0: food That is
1: indigenous and delicious So,
0: I need to get the cookbook Because uh, my husband is cooking uh, Food this year And I thought you know what I usually just let him cook everything But maybe I'll get Sean Sherman's cookbook And I'll try out some cool recipe To, to give it a shot Right So um, I hope people can join us for the Sean Sherman event November 9th at 11 a.m. on Facebook. You can RSVP and all that info is on um, the American Indian Affairs website or the Facebook page. And also AIS has a Facebook page. So um, American Indian Studies, uh, we work really closely with your office. So a lot of our social media is like similar linked. But yeah, um, a lot of stuff. So. Yeah, so every month is American Indian Heritage Month for for Native peoples, Native communities, but um, it's also a great month just for anybody. It's always a good time to learn about Native history. It's always a good time to learn about Native culture. Um, Well,
1: and you and I, you know, we've we've done a lot of uh, presentations and talks over the years of different... Um, ways to engage different people in the community in learning uh, Indigenous history and learning about the land they're on, and um, thinking about that. I know we always try to s- summarize what's one thing we wish people could walk away with um, from our uh, talks, and and I'm going to ask you that question. You know, what's one thing you wish that people could really um, learn about or take the take this month to really educate themselves on?
0: You know, if, if if individuals who are listening are from, well, really, if you're from anywhere, no matter where you go, you are on indigenous lands, and I think that's a mind shift. A lot of people, because our signs are in English, or a lot of historical sites have been destroyed, or um, we've had forced removals of indigenous peoples, and so sometimes people know about particular native communities because they associate them with a casino or something, but um even outside of the casino outside of the tribal lands you're still on native land and i think for here in mankato it's really extra critical because mankato has this um really critical history of being a dakota place of being a a significant dakota place but then also because we had the largest um mass execution in u.s history here um as part of the u.s dakota war where Uh, we hung 38 individuals um, after Christmas and that occurred right downtown Mankato and I'm always surprised how many students but even just people who've lived their whole lives here um, have no understanding of that history have no understanding of that critical event but then um, not just that event there's so much more to that history surround pre-event post-event and so I think starting with whose lands are you living in uh, because if you're in California, if you're in Michigan, if you're in Florida, or if you're in Oklahoma, you are in and living on indigenous lands with indigenous neighbors and um, I tell my students a lot of times it's like we're goldfish and we're in this goldfish bowl and so we're swimming around in all this water but we don't know we, we we use the water we breathe the water blah blah blah. but we have to learn to see the water that we are surrounded in or that we're we're living in and so a lot of times start with whose land are you on there's some great apps out there that you can uh, put your address in and it'll It'll pull up who's, whose indigenous lands you're on, figure out which treaties you live in, uh, meaning like what treaties were signed or forced, et cetera, that enabled um, people to gain access to that land. And that's a good starting point, you know? Re- reframe it from like, who, whose land are you living in now?
1: Yeah, I think that's a good point. I totally agree that, you know, that's one of the bigger things is um, just to bring more awareness about indigenous issues that for so long people have just kind of ignored and um, kind of swept under the rug. I mean, that's what happens if you look systematically at, you know, historical narratives that are told. Um, And we have plenty of examples of this. Um, So I think, and we can touch on a few of those in in a minute, but I'm just, I'm sitting here going, you know, that's just, there's just so many historical narratives that um, have, have gone silenced for so long. And I think um, having a month like Native American Heritage Month to really talk about those things and to... Um, just shed even the smallest bit of light on these other stories these other narratives that have been held out of the dominant um, you know educational system or teachings or media all of that Um, you know it's it's nice to be able to um, just be more open about uh, be more open about those narratives and and sharing that story um, from the Indigenous perspective I think is is uh, what makes me so excited too, to celebrate Native American Heritage Month. So I know you touched on a couple of big historical narratives, um, especially for here in Mankato, the US Dakota War of 1862 um, and prior, a little prior to that, a little after that, there's some stuff that happened around there. Um, I know there's some, and I don't think we have enough time to really like, Uh, teach the whole history of the U.S. Dakota War uh, during this podcast, Uh, maybe in the future, we'll see. Uh, But there's some really good resources to learn and read about um, that history. And uh, what happened here in in Mankato, in Minnesota, what other places were involved. And I think, um, you know, if you're going to walk away with one thing from this podcast, Now's the time to get a Google in on uh, on the US Dakota War and what that what that has what that history has been here in, in Minnesota for, for Dakota people. So
0: we have a chance to I'm always amazed at how much my uh, students who take yeah, I have a course called Indigenous Education. I have two native history courses and it's a process of unlearning some of those narratives. Like yeah. the narratives that they've learned growing up uh don't match the historical record and well we're um, coming
1: up on a big one uh in a couple weeks here
0: i know (laughs) and students are always so shocked when we when we tell them about what actually happens you know
1: yeah and and what we're talking about is the history of, of thanksgiving and what that
0: what that history
1: looks like um from the indigenous perspective uh and so we just want to, I guess, share a little bit about the history of Thanksgiving um, and uh, what, how different that narrative is from what um, most kids are taught growing up in the school system. And so, um,
0: I don't know, do you want to dig into the story a little sure. bit? Sure, I mean, it's a, it's a very... Uh, it's the narrative that we're taught. So let's start with what we're taught, right? Right. So I don't yeah. know about you, we'll Megan, there. but I remember when I went to school and this was the early nineties, um, like half the school had to wear these pilgrim hats Yeah. where we like took like cardboard, not cardboard, but like construction paper yeah. and we yep. made this little hat thing. And then the other half wore this little headband with like four or five feathers sticking out. And then we had to eat lunch together. And it was all this like kumbaya, um, the Indians and pilgrims sat down and like celebrated Thanksgiving. And that's the story you get told, that's the story yeah. you see in a lot of movies and whatever. Um, and the story of Thanksgiving is actually not that linear, like not that clear cut, not that like we had a dinner together and then that was Thanksgiving and we did it every year. Um, there are multiple Thanksgivings and this is what a lot of people, we have no idea about this because we don't research the history. So. There are multiple, multiple instances of what are called like days of thanks or proclamations of thanksgiving that happen in early American history. Um, The Continental Congress, for example, George Washington declared a day of thanks in 1789. Um, The holiday as we think of it doesn't come about really until 1863 when President Lincoln um, declares the final Thursday of November as this day of Thanksgiving and part of it is um, an effort because you have the Civil War going on, which is interesting given our role in the Civil War here uh, yeah. in Mankato with the U.S. Dakota War which is coinciding during during the Civil War. Right. Um, and then what's funny is in 1939 Franklin, President Franklin Roosevelt tries to move it up a week to increase like retail sales and everyone's like, no, 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 you can't increase it a week. And so then um, it gets moved back into the fourth Thursday of November, 1941. But so even what we think of as this like cherished tradition doesn't have a clean, clear cut, like steady history necessarily. There's multiple days of Thanksgiving and for a lot of indigenous peoples and a lot of historians, what's also really problematic is um there are these proclaimed days of thanksgiving that occur long before george washington um you know makes this declaration from the continental congress and they usually coincided with um either there are some instances of these days of thanksgiving where the local indigenous community near a um a like colonist settlement do come together and share food there are some in- historical instances of that but then there's also historical instances like in scene 73 you have the Pequot Wars um, and the Pequot are a community on the eastern seaboard that are um, one of the groups that have like the earliest interactions with uh with with uh, incoming settler colonists if you will and the Pequot War is a um, is an ongoing struggle between um, some of the colonies and the Pequot community, and then subsequent subsequent surrounding indigenous communities. It's it's a really long, intensive engagement. But during the Pequot War, the Massachusetts Bay Colony um, engages in a massacre against the Pequot village, and they they call uh, individuals to come outside of. The community walls. They had um, they had walls that sort of overlapped each other to provide security. And they they call individuals out, and um, when the warriors come out, they're they're murdered. Um, and then there's other instances where they they set fire to the border of the town to force people to come out, and then as they're coming out, they're murdering them. Um, women and children who survived the massacre were sold into slavery. We often think of slavery as something that. Uh, we primarily associate it with the transatlantic slave trade, which is horrific in of itself, but there's also a Native American slave trade that happens. We, uh, we meaning early uh, settler colonists from Europe, sell native peoples into slavery um, as well. And so you have historical instances like this, where after this massacre, after this massive amount of horror and death uh, on an indigenous community, the, the, the governor of Massachusetts Bay Colony declares a day of thanksgiving, um, thanking God for their success in massacring indigenous peoples. And so, you know, as historians and as people today, we have to look back at this history of where, I, I know the narrative is much easier to think, oh, native people and non-native people got together and, and you know broke bread, et cetera. And that did happen, but there's also lots of these instances of, Thanksgivings or days of Thanksgiving um, being proclaimed to celebrate the massacre of Indigenous peoples. And so, um, you know, if we go back and we look at the AIM movement in the 60s and 70s, uh, there are demonstrations and declarations that it's not a day of Thanksgiving, but rather a national day of mourning. Right. You know, for a lot of Indigenous peoples, it's it's not this hunky-dory narrative that we've learned. Um, because well, and they- I
1: think, I mean, I think you can see that in the Indigenous community by how, um, by, by what else is done on Thanksgiving um, in, in the Indigenous communities, in the Native communities, you know, here in, in Minnesota, up in the Twin Cities um, every year. I don't know if it's, I don't think it's happening this year obviously because of covid but every year there'd be a a thanksgiving powwow at the uh, minneapolis american indian center and that was a way for um you know indigenous native people to gather and really talk about um or um gather in a community fashion that was on their own terms and not in the terms of this horrible um you know colonized and tragic history of what happened around thanksgiving so
0: Well, and then there's other, I mean, Indigenous peoples, right? There's 500 plus federally recognized Indigenous nations. And then there's a whole handful of of Native nations that are recognized by states, but not the federal government. And then there's Native communities that aren't recognized at all, but Native people know who who claims them and who they claim and who they belong to. Mm -hmm. And in lots of these communities, in different ways, there's often um, some sort of harvest ceremonies or... Um, fall ceremonies of their own. So um, the Pequot and the Wampanoag, for example, often had the green corn ceremony, um, and still to this day have their own fall ceremonies. um, And many, many indigenous communities will have them. And they're often ceremonies that involve um, being grateful for the harvest that they're able to bring in, that the creator's given them, um, this, this renewing of ties with each other and different ceremonial processes. And um, back in Michigan, where I'm from, a lot of Anishinaabe communities will host what are called spirit feasts or ghost suppers mm-hmm. um, that are not, not ghosts the way you think of them as what? Halloween, but rather they are times to come together, uh, to engage in ceremony, to remember the, the, our loved ones. Um, and so there's a lot of different ways of thanksgiving if you're just thinking of it as giving thanks of uh-huh. gratuity. Of humility and being grateful that Native communities and Native peoples do on their own terms and their own ways that are culturally situated in their own backgrounds and cultures yeah. during this time that are very different from the cookie cutter narrative that we learn uh, in K twelve schools. Usually. Well, and I
1: think I think that's just an important note for our listeners is just to understand and know that um, you know it, I think um, you know I think sometimes there might be a, a misunderstanding that like oh, um, Native people love Thanksgiving or Native people hate Thanksgiving. You know, there's these kind of dualistic mentalities out there. And I think, um, as we all know, life is always much more complicated and gray than that. And I think, um, you know, it's just important for, um, you know, non-Indigenous listeners to understand how um, how there are just different ways and different, you know, different cultural experiences and stories that um, different communities live and and celebrate in their world um, because of of these different historical narratives. Um, so I just think that's like a good.
0: I think that's a really critical point right and yeah. it has it's not just Thanksgiving but it's also like this is a trifecta time period we talk right. a lot about this like between you and I and other people in the community and our students is like fall can sometimes be a really hard time for people because right you've got um well now we we recognize it as Indigenous Peoples Day but previously and some people still stick to it recognize Columbus Day right, right. Um, which my students are always shocked, like Columbus never set foot on what is today America. And they're like, what?
1: Again, Uh, another, another uh, educational uh, fallacy out there. (laughs)
0: Yeah, Um, They're always like, oh my gosh, how did I not know this, Dr. Mead? And I'm like, there's a reason you didn't know this. And, and we talk about, we talk about why, why we continue to tell these like folk stories and why they're so powerful for people. Um, But you got, you got Columbus Day and then, And then you've got uh halloween where we have people dressing up as indigenous people and Pocahontas, and like a whole (laughs) you know um and you you walk into stores and it's just all over the place all these representations of 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 indigenous peoples in non-respectful ways right and then you've got thanksgiving you know you can't Mm -hmm. go into a craft store right now without seeing indian and pilgrim little figurines it's just everywhere because that story is so powerful and so um,
1: when I think of, you know, when I think of what you're kind of culminating in all of these experiences is this continuous cultural appropriation and misunderstanding for Native communities in this fall. And that's why I think to take back a month in the middle of all of that in, in November in, and call it Native American Heritage Month does help provide some of that uh, reclamation and power um, into the Indigenous communities. I think that, um, you know, for us to be able to tell things on our own terms, um, to, to say my culture is not a costume for Halloween and to be able to say this is not uh, the, the real story of Thanksgiving, you're missing that. So come and celebrate with us, but learn about this history. Um, I think all of those things can help. Um, you know, go against this negative settler colonialism trifecta you speak of when it comes to, um, you know, Columbus Day and, um, and uh, Thanksgiving and and Halloween and all those things. So,
0: and it's great for it's Alex. a small
1: piece, right? It's a small win.
0: You know, you got to take the wins where you can get them. Right. It's, it's a great time for um, for Native peoples to get to. Uh, tell it from their perspective tell the truth tell the history and then for non-native peoples to listen right and absorb that and then um somebody once recently said like go and get your peoples <laughs> so like if you <laughs> if you if you want to be an ally people often say like well what can i do and they want to focus all their energy on like assisting Native communities or helping Native communities or whatnot. And that has its own place. Um, But I think what's really powerful is take what you're learning and go share it with other people who maybe haven't gone to a Native American heritage event or bring your roommate or, you know, have a, a get together, use your influence that you have to bring more allies in, because the more people we can get having this conversation, and dissecting some of this history and going, oh, maybe I shouldn't dress as a Native person or some kind of stereotype or whatever. Um, or, you know, your best friend shows you their costume and you're like, oh girl, no, mm-mm. You know, you can have that conversation with them um, and maybe, maybe influence how they think about things. And that has a ripple effect. So if you wanna be a good ally, Um, you know, come to the events, learn, but then also share what you learn with other people and then always keep listening to Native peoples.
1: Yeah, I think, I think that's just a great uh, perspective to share and to have is, you know, and I'm a big believer in that. Um, you know, my mentor always said, if you permit it, you promote it. So if you see something that's that's wrong um, and you just let it go, now you've just become complicit in, in systematic racism or microaggressions or what have you. Uh, and so for uh, to be a good ally, I think it's important to use your power for good and not evil. Um, you know, to use your uh, voice to help educate others uh others and to um to really share what you know because once you know once you know you know if you didn't know it's not your fault uh that you didn't know these histories and these um different perspectives and things like that but once you do know now it is your responsibility to be able to go out and share um and correct um, those injustices that you might see happen, you know, um, I know students during Halloween will often go to some of these Halloween stores and hide some of the costumes, um, so they're not, they're hidden somewhere else in the store, or, um, you know, have these little moments of, um, rebellion, if, if you will, so.
0: Yeah, I love it. I may have, I may also have done that on (laughs) a number of occasions, um, so you might find like random little statues like hidden in different places um i love this quote by maya angelou and i think it gets to what we're talking about which is is and i use it all the time which is do the best you can until you know better and then when you know better do better right and i think uh, it's critical to also remember that allyship or um being someone who you know, wants to make the world a better, more inclusive place and accurately represent this is a lifelong process. You don't just learn like one fact and you're done. There's always more and more facts and more and more history and more and more um, understanding to be gained. And so I think uh, Native American Heritage Month is a great starting point and i really genuinely hope that students who join us this year come back next year because they won't be the same person right they'll have hopefully learned a little bit better be doing a little bit better and you can keep improving that like even if you um like i've listened to sean sherman before but i'm sure i'm going to learn something new from him at this other talk because i'm not the same person as i was last time i heard him speak and i've grown and changed so, being an ally, um, being a member of any community means constantly learning, constantly engaging in that self-reflection and that growth um, and development. So, uh, I hope more people, you know, join the crew of like, let's learn more, let's talk about this, let's let's see what we can do and do better, you know, as we know better.
1: Yeah, and I think that's kind of the perfect conclusion to our, our conversation today. Is just this is this is something that you can. You can do anyone in the community is welcome to participate in in our events to learn to educate themselves to engage in our conversations and um you know that's really what i think is the, the best message that we can share is like educate yourself learn about these different historical perspectives um be open to having difficult conversations and facing um some of that like frustration or guilt you might have and then going ahead and engaging in community dialogue and conversations of what can we do next and what how can we support what is happening uh for the indigenous community wherever you
0: are so i think um if you want to keep yeah if you want to keep like building on it too if you come to one of our events consider taking an american indigenous studies class Mm -hmm. we have Um, like I said, we have history, we have classes on sovereignty, we have classes on American Indian women. If you've been following any of the missing and murdered indigenous women uh, conversations, um, we have oral traditions and we also have Dakota and Ojibwe language classes here on campus. And if you want to learn more about a culture, start learning the language, um, and reach out to myself or Dr. Das or Megan. Megan works with you know, Megan can connect you with us too. Everyone is welcome in AIS classes and. Um, if you want a a deeper dive that has you know a community to support you in that process uh, come take one of our courses if you want to be a teacher if you're in the teacher education program we have a course specifically for you it's AIS 330 indigenous education to help you become a teacher that knows how to teach about Native people respectfully and not do some of those uh, well those like hat activities where you dress up as native people we can help you we can help you not know how to not do that one yeah um but do some that will actually be more beneficial to your kiddos so Mm -hmm. come come talk to us come check out our classes come check out megan's events um dive in Yep, just come and engage with us, and we, we're
1: happy to have uh, conversations with you and um, with any members of our community to just really—that's um, our big—that's our big jam. We love to help people learn. We love to help people. Um, gain a better understanding to see those light bulb moments go shoot I didn't even know this and now you do and and that like gives me hope and um you know to be appreciative of that you know we're really we're really grateful to have the opportunity to celebrate Native American Heritage Month here on campus and in our community and so um yeah, I just really appreciate you, Dr. Mead, coming to have a little conversation with me today. Um, And uh, we want to just thank you all as listeners for um, hearing what we had to say. And we hope you all have a wonderful rest of your day. Thanks for listening to our diversity and inclusion podcast. Thank you, Megan. Thank Thank you. you all.